today on CityCast Chicago. For decades, the 11th Ward centered in the Bridgeport neighborhood was the seat of power for one of Chicago's most influential and notorious political families. But now, the center of influence is shifting. After Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson was convicted in February of federal tax fraud, Mayor Lightfoot appointed Nicole Lee to finish out his term. Lee is the first Chinese-American alder person in Chicago, where Asians make up the fastest-growing ethnic minority. We talked to Alderwoman Lee at her ward office ahead of her first full city council meeting this Wednesday. It's Monday, April 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Nicole Lee was the director of community engagement at United Airlines when she received the call to apply for the 11th Ward Alder person. Thank you for coming to CityCast Chicago and making time. Well, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. Can you tell me about your upbringing in the city? I was born and raised in Chinatown. Uh, my father was born here after my grandmother came to the United States. He likes to tell people that he was imported because he was like <laughs> special cargo. Um but we've lived in this community my entire life. And what's great, I think Chinatown is like any other small town, right? There's people that know you. There's people watching out for you. Lots of aunties and uncles all over the place. So you really can't get into too much trouble. Um, but my my mother was a business owner. There were three businesses run out of my my mom's uh, shop. It was a beauty salon. It was a gift shop and a floral shop. My okay, aunt was a was florist. hustling, hustling. But we were. I mean, yeah, we definitely were. <laughs> I was delivering flowers to funeral homes when I was a kid. When I was growing up in Chinatown at the time, when in my younger days, I went to an all-Catholic, all-Chinese school. And when I made the transition to public school, I'd say that was like a big transition for me. And I think a big eye-opener for me in terms of just my worldview. Because um, before then, it was pretty small. I mean, and, you know, I knew that there was a difference between sort of myself and other people that didn't look like me whether those people happen to be black or whether they happen to be white in the neighborhood. Um, because we saw a lot of different stuff, right? So um, there was fear um, from a lot of the people in my family of um, people that lived in the projects because they worried that they were going to get robbed. I mean, I had relatives who had been mugged. And, you know, when your only experience is with, um, with, with a group of people is – one type of experience, you don't really have a good point of reference for anything else, which is why I think CPS was such a gift to me, um, was to give me a different worldview of how people can be in other contexts, right? That it wasn't just all what you saw in the news or, you know, the one thing that, the one bad thing that you experienced with what group of people before. Yeah, let's stay there for a second. As you, I know you are a Whitney Young student. How how does your expanding worldview as you go into high school, as you get older, how does that start to change how you view Chicago and what maybe some of the biggest problems in Chicago are, not only in your community, but for the whole city? Going into high school, having a little bit more freedom to move about. Um, everybody was taking the CTA to get to school. It was a bus and a train, you know, it was a, the 24 downtown to the blue line to to get to Whitney Young. And like hanging out after school, Marshall Fields um, was still on State Street. Um, and my friends and I would go after school to the Crystal Palace that was like up up on top um, by the Walnut Room to go have like ice cream and like a burger or something. And it was one of the first times I was ever in a group that was followed around a store. 
And it was a it was a mixed group of of kids. You know, there were a couple of us that were Asian, a couple African American, um, and it was a really strange experience for me. Like that definitely opened my eyes to the experience of other people, and just I think what I saw was people what I thought was making just judgments um, about and assumptions about who we were based on what we looked like. Mm-hmm. You you know you got older. You've left to go to school and come back. You've started a family. How has Chinatown and Bridgeport changed uh, as, you, as you've as you gotten older? What makes it different now? Oh, wow. Where do I begin? Um, let's start with Chinatown. Chinatown is, in Chicago, is one of the only Chinatowns in the United States that has continued to see growth. You've also seen our footprint expand into, that leads us right into Bridgeport, right? Um, and the, the demographics of the ward Bridgeport, Armour Square, McKinley Park, all of these areas have seen high growth numbers in um, the Asian American population as we've expanded out. We're so diverse now, but still a little bit of a microcosm for what Chicago's unfortunately known for is, you know, we're we're diverse on paper, but we're still rather segregated in how we operate and um, engage with each other. And that's one of the things I'd like to see very much change. So what was your reaction when People reached out to you to say, are you interested in replacing Daley Thompson as the older person for the 11th Ward? When I got that call, I was stunned into silence for a moment. Um, it's not necessarily a, a place that I necessarily saw myself from a career perspective, because in my job at United, I, I knew that I was making an impact with the work that I was doing. Um, but I wasn't necessarily impacting my own community locally or the Asian American community. Um, and And this seemed like it had some potential to it. How, how did they pitch it to you? Was it, you know, to be a transitionary older person? Was it to be the face of what is potentially the new 11th war come the remapping process finally resolving itself? Was it, you know, an outsider who can change things but has connections? How, how did they pitch, you know, Nicole Lee as older woman to you? I did ask because obviously, um, you know, any consideration for me had to come with some We'll just call it because I worked for an airline, some baggage um, with uh, with my father's history, his career um, working for Mayor Daly, um, and as well as um, his legal troubles. Um, my father pled guilty to um, federal charges of embezzlement. I want to say it was maybe 2014. And that uh, had to do with uh, organizations that he'd worked with in the community in Chinatown. And that was something that I was very upfront about. It's not anything that I'm hiding from necessarily, but it's certainly something to be considered. Um, and the the response back to me was that they were impressed by how I was independent from him and had created sort of my own niche, if you will, um, my own pathway um, in my own career and, and through my own sort of public service through um, nonprofit boards. When I first looked at the bios that were being released and, you know, the mayor's list, I'm not going to lie. My first thought was her father has, you know, worked in politics. She's worked with major corporations. She's been a local, been on local school council. She's worked with local Chinese American organizations. These all feel like the the steps of someone who may one day consider political office or may even in some cases be being groomed for political office. Is So is that just the elements of your story? None of that was leading to, you know, running for office or even thinking about being an older person? My father's career was always very separate from from our family life. Um, you know, I was asked the question recently um, if if I spent a lot of time with the dailies, and I just kind of chuckled at it. I, I think I met the mayor twice um, while my father was working um, 
for Mayor Daly and the administration. How he showed up for me was to show up to volleyball games when I was in high school. Um, how he shows up for me all the time now is helping me with my kids, um, you know, enabling me to be a single parent um, and have big careers. Yeah. He was and still remains a, a role model of how to be a good human being to me. Um, he made mistakes and he took responsibility for those mistakes. Um, and he's paid his debt. He's, you know, fulfilled all of his obligations, paid restitution to the organizations, um, and remains a very active member of the Chinatown community. Alderwoman Lee's father, Gene Lee, was given five years probation, and he was ordered to pay about $93,000 to the organizations he stole from. I never wanted to work in public service while my father was working, because I never wanted there to be any hint of nepotism or, um, any question about whether or not he used his influence to, quote unquote, get me a job. I'm the eldest child. I always had something to prove. So, you know, I was always about um, making and forging my own path. And I think I did really well for myself in that, um, you know, one, I think one of the proudest moments for me was when someone walked up to my dad and said, oh, you're Nicole's dad. It wasn't like you're Jean Lee's daughter. You're Nicole's dad. So once you decided to apply, you know, I watched your press conference and you said, at first you thought, you know, who could I put my backing behind? Who can I support? But when you looked at the list, you said you didn't feel like there was anybody on the list who you who you could back. So what is it what is it about yourself that you thought you were the right person? There's a big conversation right now in the remap of the wards of the city of Chicago on the one thing that the two different sides can agree on right now is that um, it's time for there to be an Asian majority ward. This is all relatively new to our community. There isn't sort of like a a machine or a stable um, where we're like bringing people up um, and, and have a, a cadre of people that would be ready to step into a position like this. I think that's why the community came together and had to do all of this sort of thinking about who would make sense to even put forward. Now, anybody in the position of becoming the next alder person, um, if they were Asian American, were, they were going to have to do that working across lots of different groups and political views. Um and I felt like I could do that. I still felt like I had the right stuff to do it. For other 11th Ward residents who are hearing this, who might say, well, I live in a part of 11th Ward that is largely Latino in McKinley Park, or I live in the Daly's home in Bridgeport, and this is one of the only white enclaves on the South Side. You know, that's the 11th Ward you should be talking about, not the 11th Ward that could come based on the, the war remapping process. You know, how do you build confidence in, in all parts of, of the 11th Ward that you're going to serve everybody? Yeah, I, and I think the most basic thing that I can do at its core is to serve the residents of the ward today, right? I mean, it's like a third, a third, a third. Right. So you're absolutely right. I mean, like, this is this is the beauty of um, what I like to call sort of the, the new 11th Ward, right, as, as we're evolving in this way. And that's been my promise to everybody is that I'm not going to be able to satisfy everybody. Nobody is, right, anywhere, ever. Um, but I'm always going to listen. Well, you're a month into the job. What are the biggest concerns of, of your constituents thus far? Safety continues to to be the, the main concern. I think my first, the day that I was confirmed, there was a shots fired on a, what traditionally was a pretty quiet street. That is a huge concern. Um, and what can we do as a community to address that? I've been asked many times, like, what is my plan? What, Alder woman, what's your plan to address um, safety and crime? And my response continues to be, it's 
I don't have a 10-point plan. It's a very complex situation, right? It's not anything that the police alone can do. Uh, it's not anything that the mayor or myself or the governor, anybody else that's sort of being sort of blamed for um, everything that's going on. I think it's a big confluence of many things. And I think it's, um, I think everybody has a role to play. If you're a resident, it's reporting crimes as they happen. If you hear shots fired, don't just think, oh, I thought I heard something. Call it in because the police can't do as much or be as effective if we're not reporting these things and the data is not being collected. How do we make sure, and this is maybe a personal question, but how do we make sure that conversations about public safety don't reek of anti-blackness? Because even, you know, like you said, when you were growing up, people would stigmatize people who grew up in the projects. People now, when you hear about public safety in neighborhoods like Bridgeport and even parts of Chinatown, there are sentiments that this is coming from people outside of the neighborhood. How do we unite the 11th war as it is, but also make sure that, you know, the 4.4% of black folks who live in the war don't feel like they are not involved in the conversation as well? Well, I think, you know, you started to hit right on that, right? That 4.4%. I need to help create spaces for people to feel safe, to have these conversations, to frankly be vulnerable. You know, at the end of the day, I have black friends that live on the South side that don't go out after a certain time because they themselves are afraid to go out. So it's not something that is just happening to Asian and like white people at the Gold Coast or in Chinatown. There's stuff happening all over the place. And I think that, you know, the more that we can see that we have more in common as a community, that we'll understand each other a little bit better. You didn't go through a long campaign process. You know, you are replacing an older person just two months after them being ousted from office. And your first city council meeting is Wednesday, April 27th. How much of the deep end are you being tossed into? Like you immediately, uh, you know, are on all of Thompson's committees. Are you immediately, you know, having to vote on things? How does that work? Getting really into like the sausage making of it all is kind of cool because this is the first time I'm I'm actually getting to use a lot of the policy background that I have um, from a practical professional perspective. I didn't run for the position, so I didn't have um, a bunch of sort of like political votes on other things or political positions because I was sitting in another position of influence. Um, so I came into this rather uh, unattached in that way. Um, and I'm so I think that makes me a little bit more open to hearing lots of different perspectives. You may not have a lot of political attachments, but one you certainly do is the person who appointed you, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who will probably be seeking reelection and it needs as many people on her side as possible. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, you know, Mayor Lightfoot's first term? And, you know, can, can you say that you, you are a supporter of the mayor? I can say that I'm really grateful that she picked me. I have a lot of respect for Mayor Lightfoot. Um, I have a lot of respect for anybody that's held the office um, because it is not an easy job. Anybody that puts themselves on the line and at stake for something that they believe in um, and puts themselves and their families, frankly, um, through the the sort of public scrutiny, I've got just mad respect for. Um, whether or not I agree with her on everything is probably another story. Um, but I think that having managed through a pandemic um, coming out of the pandemic, now we're dealing with, you know, a Ukrainian war that has increased fuel prices and all of these other things that are, frankly, outside of her control as mayor, while still trying to get things done um, for the betterment of our city as a whole. I think it's a really challenging thing. And, you know, hats off to her if she's willing to to give it another go. One issue we've brought up and you're definitely going to have to weigh in on is the war remap process. And again, while the Latino and the Black Caucus are debating how they want their wards to look 
one thing that does look like it will happen between the two proposals is that there will be the first ever Asian American majority ward uh, in the city. Uh, beyond that, what do you want to see for the 11th ward? The ward remap issue, I think, is probably one of the things that I get asked about the most. And I've had I've had outreach from residents um, in particular areas that. Um, according to both maps today, are probably going to be the most impacted, and that's the southern part of the ward um, in Canaryville. We can create an Asian majority ward, which is no guarantee that anybody that looks like me will be elected into this office come February. The Asian Americans in, this, in, the, in the ward are not monolithic. There are lots of different political views, lots of different opinions about everything. It's our time as an Asian American community to come together, in the, and really the, the leaders of this city are, are helping us in this um, and providing the opportunity for us to, to vote or to have a, a voting block um, that is more together than it has ever been in the past. Have you decided if this is something you are fully committed to in, in the short term or is it your goal to be the older person, you know, come the next election cycle? What I can tell you 100 percent, Jacoby, is that I'm, a, I'm fully committed to being the older person of the 11th Ward today. Um, and that's probably as much as I'm uh, I'm willing to to commit to at this point. I thought I, 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 thought I was going to get more. I know, I, I, just, I know I, you I did. Deep down inside, <laughs> it's good. I'm a month into it. I really like. I I genuinely want to be sure that I've earned the right to ask for a vote if I decide to do that. Well, Nicole Lee is the 11th Ward Alder person. I appreciate you for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Thank you so much for having me. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Chicago's guaranteed income pilot applications open today. Remember, 5,000 households could receive $500 every month for a year as a part of the nation's largest program of its kind. 44 more convictions connected to former police sergeant Ronald Watts have been overturned by Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox. Watts and officers under his command falsified evidence and extorted residents living in the Ida B. Wells home in the early 2000s. After waiting five years for a return to playoff basketball at the United Center, the Bulls were blown out in both home games by the Bucks to go down three games to one. Game five is Wednesday in Milwaukee. Hopefully it ain't over, y'all. And some good news to get you through. Shy Teen Lit Fest is all week at participating Chicago Public Libraries. You can learn about professional photography in Humble Park, storytelling in Gage Park, and creative arts in Lincoln Park. Link to the full schedule in the show notes. For more Chicago stories and events, subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Tell me what you had for breakfast today. Nah, because you know that didn't happen. Kobe. Come on. I had an apple and some water and some, some yoga stretches.